Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now let's face it, everyone needs insurance. So when you need to renew your cover, the on the grid hot tip is to give our mates at City Rural Insurance Brokers a call. City Rural have been dealing with the insurance industry for years, and they've got more than 50 years of industry experience. Need insurance for your business? They'll sort it. Are you a landlord and want to cover your rental properties or investments? They're your people. Or are you like me and need professional cover in case you say something silly on a podcast? City Rural can sort that too. They did it for me, and it was super easy. The best thing of all is that City Rural are, like you and I, motorsport people. If you've watched car racing this year, you might have even seen their logo on cars like the legendary Richard Mork Super Ute, among others. They know our game, and they know the people that follow it. So support the people who back our industry. And when you need to throw a new setup at your insurance cover, drop Andrew and his team at City Rural Insurance Brokers a line, and they'll fix you up. Head to cityrural.au or follow the links on theracetalk.com. City Rural, better cover, better service. Delivering all the news, the informed views and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by theracetalk.com. This is On The Grid. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us. Big show coming your way. We couldn't get a guest. Everyone's busy. That's fine. We'll preview Adelaide. We'll review Formula One's. So much more to talk about. There's a heap happening this weekend in the world of motorsport. We'll cover it all right here on The Grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On The Grid. All right, time to welcome... As I always do off the top of the program, Richard Quayle. Hello, Richard. Hello, Tony. How are you? I'm marvellous, thank you. And normally we don't organise him at the top of the program. We get him at the back end. But we're going to get him for the whole end this time round. Mark Walker, how are you? <laughs> I don't know if I like that introduction, Tony. <laughs> it's, um, it's nice to be sitting in very, very close proximity to Richard Quayle. So I've got to uh, raise the voice to... TV commentator levels to try and balance this out. You're in our Adelaide studio this week. Went over there nice and early. Uh, you guys getting fired up for the big weekend? Yeah, it's going to be good, isn't it? Velo Adelaide 500, uh, world's greatest street circuit. Had a couple of attempts at street circuit racing last weekend at various corners of the world, and uh, this weekend we do it properly. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be fantastic. Shabex, looking forward to it. Yeah, we'll cover off all that in just a tick. Also, uh, a big addition of hots and knots, I would have thought as well. Plenty. Uh, well, it's basically going to be most of the show, isn't it, really, if we're honest? Yeah, 100%. Mm. 100%. It will well, be most I, of the show. It will but... be like 80% of the show, but. <laughs> we'll get there eventually. <laughs> it'll, it'll be the special edition of Caltech's Formula One hots and knots. Well, plus, plus other things because we've got some. There's some good stuff this week. I'm I'm expecting Mark to lean quite heavily in the knots because he's very good at those. Uh, I hope to counterbalance that with some uh, with some hots. I've got some good ones this week, and I'll just sit back and enjoy. 
Well, you never actually really dig much deeper into them, do you? Every now and then I come up with something, all right. Well, have you got any this week? Uh, Maybe. I'm sure they've been covered off, though, by you guys. So that's why I just sit back. Probably. That's why you should, get in, you should get in first. That's why. All right. Maybe we'll um, do that. Before we do, though. Well, be- before we do anything, uh, and I was going to put these in the hots, but I'll do it off the top. Remember last week we ran a little competition where listeners of On The Grid and readers of the racetalk.com could win a uh, cool prize at the Valo Adelaide 500. Thanks oh, yeah. to uh, City Rural Insurance Brokers, our great friends and supporters of the show. Uh, we a pit tour of the Truck Assist Racing Pits with uh, Jacques Lebrock in his last race for that team this weekend. So well done to Gordon Anderson, Ryan Anderson, Simon Olive, Tracy Vaughan, Jared Walker, Matthew Clark, Sean Barnes, Jared Curry, uh, Dale Guthrie and Greg Dobson, who were the 10 first in. Hang on, Jared Walker. Any relation? Just... That's a hard negative there, <laughs> Tony Shebecki. I recognise some of those surnames from the South Australian motorsport fraternity, so I think there's some links. Um, but they have won, uh, they've won a, a, not only a paddock pass to get into the paddock at the Adelaide 500, but they've won a, a guided tour of the uh, MSR garages, which is a pretty good How prize. Good so uh, they will be contacted if they haven't been already uh, in their personal messages. Um, and many of them got onto it, Chebex, by listening to On The Grid. So Andrew and the team at City Rural are uh, very happy and um, looking forward to doing that for us, which would be great. And thanks to the heaps of people, too, that entered the competition as well. I think that was the most pleasing thing. Well, given it kind of had to be from South Australia and had to be going to the Adelaide 500, like the criteria was whittled down. But then, you know, a billion people go to that event anyway. So it was actually quite broad. So it was good. Seven billion people in South Australia. So, yeah, Mm. makes sense. (laughs) Let's get straight into it, boys. We'll preview what is going to be a massive weekend at the Velo 500 on the streets of Adelaide. We'll kick it off with supercars. And before we actually look at the supercar event itself, there's a couple of supercar stories that we should just touch off on. One being Jack Smith saying goodbye to a full-time drive. Are we sort of surprised or not? No. <laughs> no, I wouldn't have thought so. Man, yeah, cool. Adrian Burgess to Team 18. Well, just on that, Shebex, before you blaze on, the the interesting thing will be what happens to that, A, that wreck, whether the Smiths hold on to the licence and they continue to own that and whether it's still got an element of SCT backing in it next year and who ends up in car four next season. Uh, And when is Zach Best announced as being that driver? I was going to say the best driver will probably be announced, wouldn't he? Oh, that's good. It's good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so interesting. Yeah, no, no massive shock, I don't think. But, no. um, you know, uh, Tim Edwards to head up operations for supercars with uh, Adrian Burgess looking like he's going to Team 18. Well, that's the hot rumour about ATB, but certainly Tim Edwards announced that we've got news. Like this broke as we started recording the podcast. This is extraordinary. What's going to happen on Wednesday when this is already live? I better what try and get this is, out tonight so it actually what, remains no, what, no, God, no. What news is going to break? Um, yeah, I haven't really had time to process it. Uh, I figured we'd all, we all thought he was probably going to end up in the sport again somewhere, but whether it would be that quickly or not, no one really knew. So, um, I mean, there's not many race teams, you know, for, for everything Tickford is, there's not many race teams in our sport that have won championships in Bathurst's, um, and regularly are the leading outfit of their brand, um, which they have been for some time. Um, So clearly runs a pretty good show there. So 
is he is he a good um, is he a good get for the sport? Time will tell whether he's going to be great in that that managerial role from a motorsport point of view. But it seems like a pretty switched on guy to be leading the operational and, and sporting side of the business. Couldn't agree with you more, Richard. <laughs> I've got nothing. No, but uh, he's been around. He knows the sport inside out. He's been to Formula One. You'll listen to some of his chats over time. And uh, clearly competent operator. It just depends on what the job scope and role is. What, what's expected of him? What will he have control over? Will he actually have control over it? Time will tell. Well, I think also the fact he's got a hands-on experience with Gen 3 through this year through Tickford, I think is going to be a massive advantage for him as well. Yeah, I think so. The other move I like, and, and again, another one announced just before we started recording this, is that Tim Watsford has been promoted to COO, so Chief Operating Officer um, within Supercars, which I think is a really good get. We've had him on the show, remember, Shebex, yeah, in, in the COVID period when he was running NT Major Events, and really impressive guy, a lot of experience. He's been responsible for doing a lot of the, the recent dealings with governments to get those, like Taupo, over the line. Sorry, Taupo. Um so I, I like that. That's I think that's a really sensible acquisition. He's a guy that knows the sport, but he's also comes from that business and governmental dealing thing, which um, is so important in supercars because so much of the sport is underpinned with those government relationships. So I quite like that. I, I think it's actually, I, I think a couple of quite good moves from from supercars in their uh, their managerial role. Yes, no, fantastic stuff. All right, let's have a look at the racing this weekend. It's going to be hot. We've got a championship up for grabs, which is good. I mean, we've got one guy who's got a lead uh, that's going to be tough to bring back, but at least we've still got a championship up for grabs and it's been a while. Well, at least Adelaide's the sort of place that has consequence and nothing's a given, is it? Um, If it isn't wrapped up on Saturday, then there's still everything to play for on Sunday because one little mistake and you're in in the fence. And don't forget, this is the place where, because uh, placing track, limits is very difficult they just brought the walls in closer so there's a lot more things to hit nowadays so it's going to be interesting gen 3 cars around adelaide will be good interesting they should be hard to drive there'll be pigs through turn eight which will be just great to see so i might go and station ourselves down there uh towards friday afternoon practice because that could uh absolutely end in a spud but Mm -hmm. um yeah it's going to be interesting how it all plays out weather's going to play a factor as well there's a forecast for some dodginess over the weekend with a bit yeah. of precipitation uh, at various stages throughout the weekend. It's um, very vague uh, Bureau of Meteorology effort this <laughs> at this part of the weekend. They haven't done a very good job. Oh, yeah, you got a you got a sixty percent chance of twenty twenty mil of rain. What the hell does that mean? Mm. How are you supposed yeah. to plan your weekend around that? So I'm going to take a raincoat and wear it so it'll stay dry. Wise move. But- the weather here has been, and I'm in South Australia for those that don't know and are playing at home, the weather here has been bipolar is probably the only way to describe it, uh, and predictably unpredictable. So like they're forecasting thunderstorms for Friday, it might turn out to be beautiful blue skies, who knows? So yeah, I, you can't bank anything on the weather. I mean, we could end up with a Nick Perkett scenario again, with the whole flooding and the rain and the drama and the dogs and cats living together. Like, Yeah, but you won't. No. What's the chance? Who's the Lucas Umbrella of 2023? Just scrolling down to the bottom of Jack, the table. Jack we, Smith. Well, it'd be a yeah, yeah, or Decker. <laughs> yeah, Jack Smith with a walk-off yeah. win. There you go, champ. Uh, reassess that retirement. We're back on. <laughs> yeah, it won't be happening. Uh, so, Richard, your thoughts on the championship? I oh, I concur with everything that's been said. I, I think this season, oh, I don't know. 
it's hard to say. Part of me wants to say this season deserves a massive title showdown, but the other part of me says it's been such a challenging and frustrating year that part of me just wants it to all be over on Saturday and everything done and the title wrapped away and there'd be no pressure on Brody so we can actually lock him in as the champion. Because mm. I think he'll be a genuinely good champion for our sport. The fact that he's not leaving is a massive bonus. So, yes. um, <laughs> well, I mean, it is, isn't it? Like, yeah, I, I just, yeah, I, I, I'm open in saying that I, I hope Brody wins it and I think he will win it because Erebus has been very good everywhere they've gone. So, um, yeah, I, there's not much else to add, is there? The, I think the thing is, is that will they win it at the front or will will there be a spoiler? Will there be a, a Feeney in front of them or will there be an Andre Heimgartner, a Cam Waters who's in all of a sudden in a, a little purple patch now they've got the forward going well? Um, or will WAU pop up like they did last year and smoke everybody like they did? So I think that's the, you know, will, will Brody be fifth and Shane sixth or will they be first and second duking it out for the lead? It's probably the, the bigger question. So a couple things there. I hope Brody, if he does win it, he wins it by more than 150 points. Then you can eliminate that asterisk from the disqualification in the very first race. So that costs Shane 150 points. Could you imagine that? The final margin's 149 points. Sorry about that, Shane. And see you later. Yeah. See you in a few years time. Thanks for coming. The bigger challenge is going to be for the team's championship. It's closer there and there's four people involved in that fight. So... Brock and Will Brown are going to have to be involved in that. And if you're Will Brown, do you want Erebus to win or do you want Triple Eight to win to at least have the garage advantage? And I'm dipping into my knots here. Could you imagine? Finally, Erebus win the team's championship and then they have the live pit lane next year. So they're going to have it. <laughs> yeah. They're going to have pole position at the end of the pit lane for Bathurst 500, which nobody's going to attend or care about. Mm. And then they're not going to have it for the rest of the year. <laughs> Yes, it's going to be interesting how that all works as well uh, in 2024. Plenty of other action happening on the streets of Adelaide. We talk about the uh, Porsche Peter Dixon Carrera Cup Series wrapping up as well. Well, there's title proper title showdown here. Yeah. Um, in And there's actually four championships this weekend to be decided. So Pro and Pro-Am are both up for grabs. And then the Endurance Cup titles are up for grabs as well. Um, and each of them have three potential contenders. So it is it is absolutely gloves off. The interesting thing for mine is that the two contenders here in Carrera Cup, Jackson Walls and Callum Hedge, uh, last weekend were both not in Australia. They were driving elsewhere. So Callum Hedge was yet in Portugal at Portimao, um, which is still such a great racetrack name to say. It sounds like a Spanish DJ. Um, <laughs> so he was there in the Porsche Michelin Junior shootout. And then uh, Jackson Walls was in Italy uh, racing with his old man in the Lamborghini Super Trofeo World Final. So both of those boys are going to come back from overseas feeling a little dusty and having already driven quite a lot in the last couple of days. Um, And neither of them have been to the Adelaide 500 before, which will be very interesting to see how quickly they get up to speed at that circuit, um, dicing for that championship. So yeah, 21 points between them. 181 points up for grabs for the whole weekend. It's absolutely wild open. Uh, Dylan O'Keefe is a mathematical chance at winning it, but basically he needs to win the, the first race and the other two finish lower than 17th or something like that for, for him to go on. So you can, it's a racing two, Australia versus New Zealand. Um, and really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a great, great showdown in what's been a remarkable year of Career Cup. Remember, Shebex have had seven winners from seven rounds so yeah. far. 
So um, I do remember that because I've read about that about 20 minutes ago. Excellent. Uh, so I'm just looking down the list. So Max Verdeau, Fabian Coulthard, Simon Fallon, Christian Pancioni, Nick McBride. Um, yep. Come on, guys. Eight from eight. That would be a, a very nice storyline. Thank you very much. And Flacky in the Pro-Am is going to have a challenge on his hand as well. Yeah, actually, that's that's actually changed um, as we record this on Tuesday. It's changed today um, because there was a strange scenario on the Gold Coast where several cars at the end of race two, which remember was red flagged, yeah. stopped in pit lane, yet was still classified. Uh, and 99% of the world that knows motorsport knows that if you're in pit lane with the checkered flag drops, you're not finishing the race. Um, so they were classified on the official results, and that was added to the points and everyone went on their business. Uh, Motorsport Australia conducted a review on that. And it was obviously they worked out that no, they cars were in pit lane. Therefore they're classified as a DNF. Um, and as a result, that's actually cost Sam Sheehan a lot of points. So he was 15 behind Adrian Flack. He now drops to third place and he's 49 odd points out of the series lead. So that's quite costly for Sam. Um, good for Dean Cook, who's only uh, 23 off the lead. So Cookie's had a very consistent season. So that battle will go right down to the wire as well, which will be uh, really good fun. Yeah, Utes are up uh, across in Adelaide as well. A non-championship round, though. So looking forward to seeing how that runs, Mark. Oh, that could definitely tear up some stuff. <laughs> uh, the sport should be good. Uh, plenty of spice, plenty of um, variety. It's a sort of classic Adelaide undercard, where isn't it? Where... It's not a last-minute addition to the program like we had last year where Adelaide was sort of tacked on the end. We've known this all along, and a lot of these series have formed their calendar around Adelaide being here. So should be good. Um, touring Car Masters, they're always uh, pretty spicy. They'll be worth watching. S5000. Yep. It'll uh, be like the olden days there. Big, noisy open wheelers and a concrete canyon. That'll uh, sound really... Good. Looking forward to those. What else we got? And the, GT uh, the GTs. Yeah, GT World Challenge is great. Uh, so three-way championship battle there. Um, Liam Talbot versus Jeff Emery versus Yasser Shahin, who's third, like his brother in Carrera Cup. Um, but the drivers they've roped in to partner them are pretty great. So Liam's got Christopher Meese, former GT World Challenge champ and two-time Bathurst 12-hour winner and all-round good guy. Young Maxi Hoffer, who's been a bit of a standout this year, has won more races than anybody in GT World Challenge will be with Jeff Emery. Uh, and yes, she's just gone and got Matt Campbell. Yeah. So factory Porsche Penske driver, uh, won on the streets of Adelaide in Carrera Cup, in his Carrera Cup championship year, um, gets parachuted back into what is basically the same car that he drove at the um, uh, at the Bathurst 12 out to finish second this year and very nearly won it. So that's a great combination. That's a really good uh Really good squad. So that's going to be a great fight. Not a massive GT field, but it's pretty deep in quality. So I'm looking forward to that uh, that title battle. Well, that should be fantastic. That's it. That wraps up all the supports for Adelaide. I think it's more the concert race afterwards. Mm. I mean, which concert are you going to go to? You're going to go to Ice House or you're going to go to Robbie Williams? Uh, they'll be definitely going to Ice House. There's no doubt about that. That's 100%. Robbie Williams isn't part of the program, though, is he? That's an extra... You gotta pay. No, it's part no. of it, is it? Sunday night, mate. Sunday night really? show. It was announced the Monday after last year's race. There you go. Robbie Williams. This is a Sunday night concert. And Ice House on Saturday night. Saturday night. Yeah, yeah. My lord, we're gonna mm. be in heaven for two days. Well, I can't go to uh, Robbie Porsche uh, end of year. 
So I'll be uh, I'll be saying that. Well, but good news is to... I haven't been invited to that. So I can't no, go to no, exactly. Didn't get didn't get a ticket. So uh, you can go to Robbie. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. We'll be back to more on the grid in just a second. Now let's face it, everyone needs insurance. So when you need to renew your cover, the on the grid hot tip is to give our mates at City Rural Insurance Brokers a call. City Rural have been dealing with the insurance industry for years, and they've got more than 50 years of industry experience. Need insurance for your business? They'll sort it. Are you a landlord and want to cover your rental properties or investments? They're your people. Or are you like me and need professional cover in case you say something silly on a podcast? City Rural can sort that too. They did it for me, and it was super easy. The best thing of all is that City Rural are, like you and I, motorsport people. If you've watched car racing this year, you might have even seen their logo on cars like the legendary Richard Mork Super Ute, among others. They know our game, and they know the people that follow it. So support the people who back our industry. And when you need to throw a new setup at your insurance cover, drop Andrew and his team at City Rural Insurance Brokers a line, and they'll fix you up. Head to cityrural.au or follow the links on the racetalk.com. City Rural, better cover, better service. And now, back to the podcast. All right. Uh, not much more to talk about, is there, other than hots and knots? I know there was an F1 race, but that's just going to be multi-covered in hots and knots. So it's time for our Caltex Hots and Knots. Uh do you have any this week, Shebex? Well, I've got a couple, and one is just a general hot over Las Vegas. Everything just really, and I know you guys will delve in deeper, but the racing was fantastic. The vision from Vegas was just amazing. I mean, Vegas is an amazing place at night time, and having been there a couple of times and just seeing the streets and all that sort of stuff, it was just good. I still don't know how the hell they got to run a street race in Vegas because yeah. it's just not the easiest place to close off, I would have thought, but no. they did, well, and they it was quite that. successful. In that, though, is a knot which I'll come up with later, but my hot is is that Formula One management now have set a standard of where their Grand Prix should be at, I think, in regards to what the whole package is around, and that also becomes a knot, and I might delve into my knot now just to explain that. By doing that, They've now put the pressure on every other Grand Prix around the world. And F1 management now needs to decide whether the Vegas Grand Prix is their jewel in their crown and everyone else can be below that. Or if F1 Vegas is the standard, then they're going to expect a fair bit from everyone else and can everyone else catch up to it? That's my not in regards to that hot. So, yeah. I think it was just incredibly audacious to even attempt it. And they had some pretty sizable speed bumps on the road, but they pulled it off. So Yeah, but they've got another nine years to, to totally um, right. So running onto that, some of my hots are some of the side effects of it. Now the reason the race was in the time slot it was, and everyone's going, well why did, would you run it in winter? Well what is basically winter now uh in the USA, and especially in the middle of a desert, it was so cold, was because that week was one of the two quietest weeks in Las Vegas of the year in terms of hotel occupancy, of spending and all of that. Um, the casino group that was involved in the race has come out in the last week after it and said it's turned it into, quote, like New Year's Eve. Uh, and it will actually be one of the biggest, busiest November weeks in the history of the city in terms of 
uh, money spent, revenue, hotel accommodation, occupancy, things like that. So that's a massive thing. But then there's little side effects that street circuits bring to the party as well. And I think it's a hot that some of the infrastructure they've put in is actually improved the city. So they put a road bridge over Flamingo Lane, uh, which pops traffic over one of the major boulevards to get into that group of casinos that was inside the circuit. So yep. the Venetian and um, the other ones in there. Bellagio. Yeah, no, well, the Bellagio's on the outside, so that wasn't okay. a drama. But the ones on the inside of the circuit precinct itself, like on the inside of the track, on drivers left on the strip. So you had to get into the circuit to go to those casinos. So they built a temporary roadway, an overpass, to get traffic in and out. Um, apparently, it did such an effective job of improving traffic flow, even when all the main roads were open, that they're now going to build one permanently because it was so great at funneling traffic into those hotels that they're just going to do it permanently. So I thought there that was go. great. Well done. Street circuits, see, they are good at doing things. Um Formula One TV ratings, US ratings haven't come out. Suspect they're not going to be brilliant because it was at midnight. But in Australia at prime time, they were sensational. 191,000 people watched the race on Fox Sports 506. Now, according to my numbers, which go back to 2017, that is the largest television audience for a Grand Prix in Australia since at least 2017. Non-Australian Grand Prix, of yep. course. So little of amazing time slot probably a lot of publicity helping in that and making people tune in and watch. Um, and the benefit is they got an absolutely cracking Grand Prix with it. So fantastic. Good stuff. Great. The, non, the non-benefit is that you had to spend three hours listening to Ted on Friday when there was no practice. Yeah, but no one watched that, Chebex. So this oh, is okay. the race that did 191,000. That's fine. Um, little doses of Ted in that it was okay. No, um, no, no. Well, you, you, you're not will come. Um, I've got the microphone now. We're sharing. Um, uh, hot to Formula One for being a massive, massive tease. Uh, you bitch, Formula One. Uh, every, and it does this so often. R- pretty average season. I think we'll all agree. Max dominating. The racing hasn't been that great. The cars really haven't performed the way we wanted to from a racing product point of view, mainly because people weren't as competitive as Max Verstappen. It was all a bit rubbish. And just when you go, ah, do you know what? I can't be bothered. I just can't be bothered anymore. It goes and delivers a car race like that. A genuinely compelling Grand Prix with great wheel-to-wheel racing, with five lead changes, with strategy, with petulance, with drama, with joy, with the whole lot. And it makes you realize why Formula One really is one of the greatest sports in the world. So damn you, Formula One, you massive, massive tease. But I love you for it. It's great. Uh, Moving on outside of uh, Las Vegas, hot. The fact that Macau is allowed to exist as a race outside the space-time continuum somehow. Um, I don't know how it exists. (laughs) I don't know why it still exists, but I don't want to live in a world where it doesn't exist. I'm so glad that place has still turned into a racetrack uh, for two weekends a year. It is tremendous, sketchy, ridiculous, stupid, but uh, thank God it's still there. So well done. Speaking of Macau, uh, big ups to my new buddy, Norby Michelis, who's not only got a great name for commentary, uh, but he's a ripper bloke, loves Australia now after two weeks here with the TCR World Tour, but um, also won it. Good stuff. Well done. And well done to the Hyundai team, uh, BRC Squadra Corsa, 
who are very, very good and uh, do good things for motorsport. So well done. Monia Norby, great friend of the program. No, he is 100%. We didn't have him on, but uh, and bad luck to Rob Huff, who uh, whose dreams for another Macau win came unstuck. He is literally a friend of the program. He still uh, gets a he still gets a statue, though, doesn't he? Yes, he has a yeah. he has yeah. He's got a wing in the museum. Yeah. Um, hot Callum Hedge, who has signed a deal to race Indy next next year. Yes. Uh, what happens if he wins the Porsche shootout and gets a Super Cup drive as well? I'm pretty yeah. certain there's some date clashes, but uh, hot year for Hedgey next week. Uh, next year, possibly next week, if he wins the title. Um, hot, Adelaide 500 week. That is all. Uh, hot, the Australian Rally Championship finale. Hot, could have been a complete dead rubber between two teammates and more than that, two brothers uh, for the same team that smoked everyone in ARC all season long. But ultimately, it was an epic at the Rally of Canberra, which was an endurance rally. So it was over the full two days. Um, it ended up being decided by less than 10 seconds and it came down to the final two stages of the rally and well done Harry Bates and the official goat of Australian rallying Coral Taylor, who is now the most decorated person in Australian rallying by an enormous margin. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's now to the point. Molly Taylor is not the daughter of Coral. It's Coral is the mother of Molly. Um <laughs> Good sport, like well done, and Australian rallying really needs that because it needs to uh, it needs to kick on a more competition like that. Uh, hot debuting as we record this on Tuesday night and live for you now on YouTube on the Methanol Moonshine YouTube channel. Stay with me here. Uh, produced by our good buddy Wade Oranger, friend of the show. Uh, a new dirt cart doco called Dirt Cart Life. Now I haven't seen it. It might not be that great, but I think you should still watch it because dirt cutting is awesome. It's really good. Uh, and anything that promotes dirt cutting is great. I started calling Shebex in dirt cutting and really? I love it. It has a soft spot in my heart. So I will watch that doco later on and uh, I'm sure it will be fantastic. Uh, hot, assuming we have got this show released after the 9.30am Eastern embargo on Wednesday. Uh, tremendous that J-Mac is back in the Napa sprint car for Hodges Motorsport for the Australian Speedway Summer, which will include the Classic and the Australian Sprint Car Championship. Starts with Max's race at Warrnambool in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, coming off the back of six wins in the World of Outlaws Championship and a top 10 finish in the championship, he raced 85 times in America uh, this year. So he is sharp. Great that that's back. That, that team has done more for sprint car racing on their own than anyone else has in the last 10 years. So well done uh, to our mate Hodgie, Good stuff. Um, if the show, for some reason and by miracle, is edited and live before 9.30am, just ignore that and wait for the embargo, please. Oh, we'll uh, make sure it's on at 9.31. But you can uh, you can read the full story on that, an exclusive little insight uh, on the racetalk.com, which will be live, I assume, now. Uh, finally, two more. Um, it's good to be a gun at World Rally because flying fin Calais Pera has announced a new multi-year deal with Toyota. Um, as part of that multi-year deal, he's only doing half the season next year. So he's having half the year off because mm. apparently he can. So that's hot. How good life when you can do a new multi-year deal and go, nah, do you know what? I'm only going to do half the rallies. Good stuff. Uh, and a final hot, get yourself to the Velo Adelaide 500 this weekend because um, the Johnston Crail Racing Enterprises Aussie Racing Car will be there on display on the weekend. Ooh, Take yeah. a photo with it. 
tag us in it at the race talk and things will happen. I don't know what they are yet, but we'll, we'll do something. If you tag yourself in a photo with it, I'm making this up on the go, but take a photo of the race car, tag the race talk in it. Uh, and, uh, we'll give you something down the road. And that concludes my extensively researched hots. Mark Walker. Let's go straight into the knots. Oh, Is it, have you got hots, Mark? Far out. You lot. Sorry, I didn't Seriously. think you had hots. I thought. Are you kidding me? No, please go. Oh, very yes. much glass, quite full this week. Come on. Actually, dirt karting. I started out flag marshalling at dirt karting. How good is it, though? It's the best. Yeah. And I, I was so good at flag marshalling. Look, I was 15 years old. I was the starter in about my second race meeting. Mm. So, Jeez. good memories there of eating, you know, the the reward for being a flag marshal was a half-baked potato scallop. So it was uh, good times. And thanks to all our volunteers that work at every racetrack right around Australia. And those who get fully baked potato scallops. <laughs> uh, in possibly the most NASCAR move of all time, the recently retired Kevin Harvick has downsized his living arrangements by purchasing the mansion from the movie Talladega yes, Nights. So good. As lived in by Ricky Bobby. That's amazing. Which he stole it. He absolutely stole it for the low, low price of US $6.75 million. Cheap. Which I, I believe is about a billion Australian dollars. So, uh, well, Rich, what was your favourite line from the mansion? I'll, I'll throw a couple in there. Um, what about Texas Ranger with uh, yeah. Chip? Chip, I'm going to come at you like a spider monkey. <laughs> or we also got Carly Bobby mm. with the, uh, if we wanted two wussies, we would have named them Dr. Quinn and Medicine Woman. <laughs> so that's just going to be Kevin Harvick from now on, Delana and Keelan and the other one, Piper. So, dear, uh, dear baby Jesus for me. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh Staying in that part of the universe, congratulations are in order for NASCAR driver Justin Haley, who married his lovely bride, Haley, who is now literally known Hayley, as Haley Haley. Haley. No. <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, yes. So good. <laughs> uh, uh, smoke and wife. Uh, Formula One, clearly Las Vegas. What a spectacle. Like, I think my favourite one was the photo taken from 30,000 feet, and you can see the outline of the dead pig. Sp race track it's, it's spider pig spider it's yeah. spider pig from spider from the simpsons, simpsons. it's it's unbelievable <laughs> like you know you've got all the lights of las vegas and then there's this standout pink racetrack down there that's uh wowee um and, and in formula one valtteri bottas he got his mo back hot literally one week on from babyface to uh being an aussie legend once again in the space of a week what a deity um well done valtteri on your facial hair um Drive to Survive, Las Vegas edition. Oh, that's a series itself, isn't it? Well, I mean, are they going to release a worldwide one and a US one that um, paints a more positive picture on Friday? Because I think there's a fair bit of strife there on Friday that they might want to gloss over in the States. <laughs> but uh, that, that has potential to be spicy. Uh, and look, I understand. I'm the only person on the face of the planet here for Max Verstappen, but uh, his saltiness levels on the weekend were just next level. <laughs> he, he's not towing the PR line. You can't tell him what to do. He just says whatever the hell's in his in his mind. You know, Send them my regards. <laughs> he just That's doesn't good, care. Good uh, you know, with the $200 merchandise offer from Formula One for the spectators on Friday, Max said, if I were a, if I were a fan, I would tear the whole place down. <laughs> but you need to have your villains, don't you? You need to have your black hat guys. Super NASCAR villain. used to have Kyle Busch. Now it's got Denny Hamlin. Supercars, is it 
Van Gisbergen? Is he our? Oh, villain? I presume he would be. Yeah, he would be. But he's gone now, so yeah. and it's a different kind of villain. But you need to have those personalities out there that you can hate and not like. So I'm about it. Good on him. And on that, actually, while we're over here in Adelaide this week, I spent a day with Craig Lowndes, friend of the show, uh, doing some corporate stuff. My God, he's a good people person. Mm. He's the best. Yeah, he's he the is. best I've ever seen. He is out of control, good at dealing with people. Yeah. What, what a human being. Well done. Um, it should be well known that Ted Graf, Ted, Ted and his waffle is just a standing knot that I don't actually have to mention. It's just out there at standing knot. And goes without saying. So hot goes to Christian Horner who flipped him the bird. And it wasn't one of those little <laughs> friendly birds. He meant it. He was yeah. flipping him the proper bird. So well done to you, Christian Horner, on TV doing that. I appreciate that. Um, old hot Coral Taylor as well. Mm. Like in the 90s, it was always a case of, it didn't matter if you like Subaru or Toyota, but it was Australia versus New Zealand in my eyes, at least, yeah. in my part of Australia. And you wanted Neil Bates and Coral Taylor to win. So for Coral to go and get another win, that is... Um, that's awesome. Five. Yep. What, what a stat. Uh, finally, for me, a good news new story, story that I managed to post up on car sales this week with Ben Taylor uh, committing to a full Michelin Sprint Challenge Australia series campaign next year. Uh, now, Ben's autistic and he'll be racing with backing from a company called Auticon, which employs autistic people in various IT fields all across excellent. the world, which is a, a really excellent story, really inspiring story that he's got going on there. And if uh, he can make a difference in people's lives, then that is a very good thing. Go well, Ben. 100%. We're in the middle of our Caltex hots and knots. It's time for knots. Uh, Mark, what did you say the sale price uh, that Harvick bought the mansion for? 6.75. Well, 6.75. Uh, well, it's a big knot to depreciation because it was listed on the market at the start of the year on March the 10th for 9.9. Whoa. So hot Kevin Harvick bargain. buying cheap, not previous owners, not great at all. Um, I'd also give a knot. Hey, hey, we, we know the previous owner. It was Ricky it Bobby. Was Ricky Bobby. So look. He's good at driving race cars, and he sure does love Fig Newtons, but uh, he's he's no good at selling property, clearly. Um, also, just uh, an impromptu not to the people that have to clean it. So 12,042 square feet, that oh. house. I don't know what that is in real measurements, but anyway. Um, it's on 1.3 acres, uh, and it's got six bedrooms, six bathrooms, and all the usual stuff. It says it has a dartboard, uh, an elevator, three floors. Um, a projector screen and an infinity tub and an infinity pool and a hot tub. I'm surprised McNulty didn't buy it as well as two docks and a boat lift. Uh, so good luck to the cleaners that have to clean that place, man. What a job. Um, or you could also phrase that as a hot because man, they're going to make some cash. Uh, knots, right. The FIA, not the lack of flexibility. The FIA continue to demonstrate in their regulations. Uh, and some would say the over-regulation of the sport continued to drive me mad. And there was no better example of that than the Carlos Sainz issue. 100%. At no point should he have been given a Ted Grimm position penalty. 100%. But the rules are so... And, and to be fair to the stewards of the weekend, they worked. They spent three hours trying to find a loophole that they could get him out of it because clearly they didn't feel he wanted one anyway. Um but the rules are so inflexible to not allow that. What's the point of having the phrase force majeure in your regulations if you can't force majeure your way 
out of costing Ferrari probably four or five million dollars of their cost cap in shunt damage from what's going to be a destroyed car. And yes, they fixed it, but that sub won't race again, I guarantee you. Um, so that really, it, that really annoyed me. Among everything going on on that Friday, and there was some dodgy rubbish going on, certainly, and stuff that shouldn't have happened, it really irritated me that Carlos got that group position penalty, which then leads me, which then leads me to some of the media. Not because of the rubbish that was talked and Sky F1 were partly to blame with this because they were pushing this storyline as well, that Toto had come out and vetoed it. Well, it didn't even get to the point of the teams having a say, and nor should it have either. This shouldn't have been a all teams need to have a say to whether Ferrari get you know excluded from the cost cap or they get a penalty or whatever. It should be a regulatory decision that, well, it wasn't your fault. You had no role to play in it. It was outside of your control completely you're not going to have to cover the cost damage in the cost cap and PS, you don't have to cop a 10 grid position penalty. Um, I was really irritated with the way the media quickly ran with this story that one of the teams, and it was talked about it being Mercedes, which Toto denied, by the way, um, quickly trumpeted onto that. It, it was really interesting to see how quickly that caught on when in fact it never actually got to that point of the teams even having a say about it. Sure, they probably would have blocked it if it went to them, no doubt, because they're all petulant. But... That's not the point. Didn't get to that point, um, which also leads on to the clickbaitery that came out of it. And uh, one local publication, Shebex, was guilty with a little the bit of this. They ran a scathing tweet: um, "Toto slams Las Vegas outcome." Mm. But in reality, the story was Toto having a crack at a journalist who was trying to slam the Las Vegas story. <laughs> but Toto was actually going, "Do you know what? We'll get over this. It happens. Build a bridge. Move on." which was actually quite a sensible thing to do. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but that was a not. That was a Force not. majeure just became force manure. Well, Crap silly. decision. silly, isn't it? Uh, not Ferrari because they lost a Grand Prix. They probably should have won again. Um, disappointing. I did forget to hot Carlos, um, not Carlos, um, the other bloke, Charles, because... Um, the other I'm sorry, he's quite good because he drove a brilliant race. He truly did. And the way he... Um, the way he sliced Checo up on the last lap was tremendous. I love that. But, um, you know, Ferrari have qualified on pole too many times and continue to cost themselves race wins. So that was very, very frustrating. Uh, not, does anyone really care about the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix this weekend? Is I, it on? I don't. I'm, I'm a little bit frustrated to say there's no championship showdown. There's not even a fight for constructors. There's not a fight for second. Um, There's a race at really, three o'clock in the morning that we won't be watching. I don't really care that Mercedes has been caught by Ferrari in the constructors' championship. Means nothing to me. Um, and Abu Dhabi, as spectacular and stunning as it is, doesn't to me um, have a lure of a Las Vegas. To be brutally honest, and, and that's why Las Vegas rated so well. Yeah, the time zone was great, but there's a draw card of watching a race happen for the first time there. Um, We've seen we've seen Abu Dhabi before. It feels like a, a really flat end to the Formula One season, and thank God we don't have that in supercars this year. The only other knot I've got this week, because I know Mark's got uh, an extremely well-prepared and listed uh, lot of knots, um, thanks to Caltex, by the way. Uh, you can also get it with Tecron. Um, uh, there's no... Now, Shebex, I know this was one of your favourite things for a good period of time, was that there was no calendar, mm. right? Uh, we got a calendar, so it had to drop out of the knots. I'm delighted to tell you now, though, 
that I'm putting calendar back in the knots. Ooh, hang on. Because there's no Aussie racing cars calendar yet. And for semi-obvious reasons to anyone who listens to this show, I'd really quite like an Aussie racing car <laughs> calendar now, please. So I'd really like a Formula Ford calendar the as fact, well. The fact there isn't one uh, is irritating. So uh, come on, Aussie racing cars, get us a calendar or you will be in the knots once again. Come on, Formula hey, Ford, um, give us one too. Why not? What's your notch, Bex? Have you got any? Uh, no, you've covered it. Vegas, the Vegas result with uh, science, I think, was, yeah, was mine, but you covered it well. So this is a Caltex power rankings first. Sadly, kicking off my knots this week is a carryover champion. Once again, it's Mikel Azcona uh, for what he did at the end of the Bathurst TCR race by driving straight in the fence under safety car. Interesting, uh, Mikel balked friend of the podcast, Rob Huff, in qualifying in Macau. So uh, that's a criminal act. Uh, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> And, and according to Urban Dictionary, the words, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed, is a passive-aggressive phrase your parents give as a sign that they are mad and regret yep. having you because you're no good, but they don't want to say it out loud. So there you go. Uh, however, in better news for Hyundai, I'm actually pretty close to buying one, I think. Although, hang on, Richard, did we, did we talk oh, my wow. wife into Toyota 86 being a good idea? How did that well, go? Well, for... For fans of the show uh, that might not be know what we're talking about, uh, Mark is in the market for a new car, and Mark needs something semi-sporty because with his friends at the Packenham Auto Club, he contests in some little auto sprints and time trials and things like that and, and does so very competently, which is, as you know, high praise. Um, but it was time for an upgrade from the mighty Ford Focus, and you were talking about Hyundais, but the, the Toyota 86 bandwagon wasn't being jumped on by your lovely wife. Um but I'd, I'd like to think, Mark, that I have some influence. In... Should we take this public? Well, I, I think if you think Mark should get a Toyota 86 GDS rather than a, a Povpak Hyundai, uh, let us know. And um, we'll, we'll pass those comments on freely. So uh, we're not going to give away Mark's wife, Instagram, or anything like that. We don't want to be slammed. But um, I, I, we think Mark deserves something nice. And I think a Toyota 86, the GDS model, of course, it's a better one. Um Nice little manual gearbox, really well-balanced car. Oh, I'm surprising, 100%. Surprisingly practical. Mm. Uh, we think Mark deserves that. So um, anyway, that's a little aside to the podcast for you. I'm 100% behind the i30. You're not helping in, here, In series as well. <laughs> you're not, you're not Great listening little to anything car. that was just said. Um, I'm not. The new Supercars website, I'm sorry. I've tried to use it lately, and it that's ain't hard. going well. Uh, I understand the old website was a cobbled-together mess, but um, it worked hashtag frustrated uh race promoters who don't return emails to media who want to provide good positive exposure to their events in the end motorsport losers sad it's disappointing failure simply not doing your basic job which i'm sad reporters happened to me multiple times this year so that's a not you gonna name them no yeah. there's a few of them yeah. hopeless no naming them would promote their rubbish True. so anyway you won't read about it on the racetalk.com uh, remember that F1 movie that Brad Pitt was filming and how it had some wild and wacky sponsors? Well, it turns out some of those wild and wacky sponsors were actually wacky at paying their bills, which is causing major dramas for the bits of the production that have already been filmed on track at Silverstone and Hungary. So that's a bit of a failure of the system there hmm. for whatever those wacky sponsors were. So Formula One, America. <laughs> I haven't written this down, so this is coming off the top of my head here. So... Where, where do you start? How come Formula One 
in America, it's the only place that it seriously craps the bed continually. Mm. You go back to the brickyard when there were six cars on the grid and it never, never recovered, did it? Mm. It set Formula One back a long time there. And, you know, there was a lot of eyes on Las Vegas on the weekend because there was a bit of negativity about some of the things that were going on. So people were semi sort of half prepared for a bit of disaster. I've been banging on about it for ages. You know, for for the spectacular race that it was, what was the what was the objective of that race? Was it to build that premium thing that you were talking about, Shebex? Like, mm. was that the aim is to build this top tier, unobtainable thing Jewel where all the, the A-list, A-list celebrities yeah. glittering in diamonds? Or was it a, a play at the American public? Because if it was a play at the American public, I don't know if that really worked you know we talked about the midnight start or midnight start on the east coast and where most of the people live and all that sort of jazz and clearly friday didn't go well they said oh you know we've had manhole covers come up before at tracks which is true but that's not an excuse for allowing it to happen the fact that it happened in azerbaijan that should in 2019 that should be the lesson that you double and triple check these things to make sure that they couldn't possibly happen again if we've yeah. had something recent as that happened. Um, there was the kicking the spectators out of the track. Like, that was rubbish. Yeah. Like, it, it had to happen, clearly, because you, you know us workforce and all sort of jazz, and they can only work until a certain hour. But can you imagine if you were one of those punters who've travelled around the world or... Thurs- the action. Thursday was the day that you could go and... and go to the track and enjoy it because it was the most affordable day and you still dolly up a couple thousand dollars, whatever it was. And then obviously they've sent out the brutal statement afterwards that didn't say sorry. You know, they could have saved face and gone, all right, well, this we're going to tear up a few million dollars as a PR exercise here and give these people their money back minus the number of oysters they ate or whatever, figure it out. So... They didn't say sorry because saying sorry admits fault, which goes back to when Jack LeBrock fenced Scott Pye came over at him. The problem that Jack LeBrock made then is that he said sorry and it wasn't his fault. But here, if they just said sorry, that would go a little bit of the way there. Instead, they've gone, oh, we'll give you a $200 uh, merch voucher, which is rubbish because all the merch was double the price anyway. If you went to the F1 website and tried to buy the stuff online, you could buy twice as much of it online as you could at the track. So it was a ripoff to start with. Uh, it does my head in. So as a PR exercise in the States, like for Formula One as a whole, Sunday was, Sunday night was brilliant. It was absolutely perfect. But uh, for trying to engage an audience there, there was a lot of negativity around it and there was all sorts of things going on the side. So I hope they figure out what they want to do in the States and um, make it work. Do they try a bit of an earlier um, start time? Because, you know, if you're in Europe, and you're going to get up at 7am, will you get up at 5am to watch the race? Yeah, yeah you probably, probably do. You you're, probably going commit, do. you're going to commit to it, aren't you? If you're a hardcore Formula yeah, 1 fan, yeah. you're not going to turn up your nose at 1.5am start for the year. Anyway, they'll figure it out. And where was I? Now, I went on a big rant there, and I've lost Massive my Massive tangent. Oh, Macau. A <laughs> not. Look, it's back. You can't not cra- Macau. Yeah, absolutely can because it's so crazy that they can't finish a freaking lap there. Yeah. They all just pile straight into the fence out of the pits and cause a red flag. What's the point? Either get better drivers or I don't know a more sensible racetrack. Um, I've had the fortune. I've, I've been fortunate enough to 
have gone to Macau, not for a race, but just to go to Macau to have a look at the casinos there. And the Phoenician casino at Macau mm. is the identical replica of the one in Vegas. The exact number of tiles, the exact tiles, everything. You walk, I walked in there and I thought I was in Vegas. Amazing. Absolute replica. Um, tossing up whether to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, the latest from one raceway, you know, the, the work that they're doing at the old Wakefield Park there, it is absolutely super mega hard, hot, hot, <laughs> hot, hot, hot. Don't get me wrong. It's brilliant. However, they've uh, released some footage that they've tweaked the final turn coming onto the old pit straight. Obviously the track now goes both ways. So it's going to be a bit of a different thing. Um, I'm sure they have some very valid reasons for doing what they're doing. But now the track kicks out around the old hairpin sort of thing, which is a, a bit of a, a change there, Ace. Except the problem is that we've learnt this lesson previously at the very first iteration of Wakefield Park that had all sort of crazy little wiggles and also the first version of Eastern Creek where they had wiggles coming into the tight corners, which was a good thing for the motorbikes, but uh, wasn't terribly good for cars if you wanted cars to overtake. And frankly, that final turn at Wakefield Park was the overtaking spot. So now they've put a bit of a wiggle in there and I'd imagine overtaking is going to be quite difficult from now on. Mm. So hopefully um, yeah, it'll come out in the wash how it transpires, but um, yeah, a bit of a weird one there. They've sort of taken away the really good overtaking spot. Anyway, good luck to them. Uh, finally, from me, people who call it the Radelaide 500, <laughs> not. It's not the Radelaide 500, it's Radelaide. It is Radelaide, but it's not the Radelaide 500. Adelaide is rad. It's factual. Uh, it, it's empirically measurable, actually. But um, it's not the Radelaide 500. It's the Adelaide 500. Hey? How do you measure? Well, you just, you, there's just a vibe of it's radness. Vibe. No, it's, it's true. It is. It's excellent. It is the greatest street circuit in the world as well. Uh, yeah, so there you go. Look Lovely. forward to the weekend. It's going to be great. Uh, Catch you guys you, on Thursday. Yeah, if you're going to be there, please stop us uh, and tell us how much you hate the podcast. We'd love that. That'd be great fun. And um, yeah, it'd be good. Done. Catch you Thursday. Bye. Enjoy the weekend, folks. Uh, we'll catch you again right here on The Grid next week. Till then.